This morning I want to talk to you about an old yet new command. An old yet new command. When I started preparing for this message, uh, immediately songs kept coming up into my mind. All right? It just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I guess it's my old school 80 upbringing, right? Very first song that comes up in my mind is, What's love got to do with it, got to do with it? Now y'all going to be thinking about Tina Turner all night, all day. It did. It's, it's the 80s in me. The answer is everything. Everything. As a Christian, it's got everything to do with who you are. If I could tell you, if we could leave out of this place, if we spent an entire year on understanding love, we still would just scratch the surface. It is so vital to the Christian life that Jesus hinged all of the law on two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. I mean, think about that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. You've got to love God with everything that you are. He says that all of the commandments hinge on, on this. This is the greatest commandment. It's the greatest thing you can do is to love God. And he says, and the second is likened unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He hinged the entirety of the Old Testament on two commands, on two laws. So love has everything to do with who you are as a Christian. And if you don't love, then I would question your Christianity. And not just if you don't love God, if you don't love your neighbor. Now, you might be like the guys that when Jesus was talking, and they asked him, said, well, who's my neighbor? You know, usually when we ask that question, it's just because we want you to define the parameters of who our neighbor is. So let me just go ahead and define the parameters of who your neighbor is. It's everybody. You mean I got to love the jerk that cut me off on the road to church today? Yep. You mean I got to love the boss that blessed me out this, work, this week at work today? Yep. You got to love everybody. And I'm going to tell you it's not easy. And you cannot do it in your human capabilities and in your flesh. It can only be done through the power of God who is in you. That's it. Love is so important that Paul wrote an entire chapter on love. And it was really to answer a question. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 31, he begins by saying, But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then begins 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass or tingling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Can I tell you what a Christian sounds like? Y'all didn't know that I'm a great pianist. I'm really good. I hope this thing's on. Is it on, Nick? Did you leave it on for me? He did. He left it on. Okay. Thank you, Nick. I love you, brother. 
That is what a Christian sounds like without love. You can play the piano and you can play the guitar and you can sing with the greatest voice in the world. You can give to help those in need and you can do all kinds of amazing things in this world. You, you can even look like you're doing it out of love, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. You're wasting your breath. You're wasting your time. And Paul goes on even further. He says, love suffereth long. Man, that, that sounds like something I want. I want to suffer a long time, so I'm going to love people. Yes. It is kind, it envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely, it seeketh not its own, is not easily provoked, it thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It never fails. I mean, you think about it, what are the words that we long for? Do you remember when you started dating your spouse? Do you remember throwing the I love you out there first? Wondering how if it will be reciprocated? You throw it out there, you're like, I love you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you don't feel the same? But as a Christian, we don't care whether it's reciprocated or not. We're called to love everybody, period. We're called to love, and we're called to love with a passion and a fervor that is only defined as coming from Christ himself. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about an old and yet new command because it is so important for us to grasp and understand it. So if you got your Bibles, I hope you're in 1 John 2. We're in verses 7 to 11. I'm going to read the whole thing because if you miss it, you're going to miss the context of the first two verses when I begin to preach it and wonder where did I come up with this. You got to read the whole thing, and then we'll come bring it back down. 1 John 2, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he's in the light and hath his brother is in darkness until, even until now. And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is no, none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness. And knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. This morning we're going to look at two discoveries about loving the brethren. The first discovery we're going to look at is the power to love the brethren. Look at verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Love is not a new theme for God. Love is something that God has displayed from the moment he created you. Love is something that he displayed at the beginning of creation. Love is something that God has always had, he's always displayed, and he always will. In fact, 1 John will later go on and say that God is love. If you want to know a perfect definition of love, it's God. Plain and simple. God is love, and he calls us as Christians to love one another. It is not something that is new. In fact, even all the way in the Old Testament, in the law, we see that it is written throughout. In Leviticus 19 and verse 18, Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love 
thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You ever thought about that? Now, we, we like the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. My son was in a Christian school growing up. And he had several friends. And one of them's name was Colby. And Colby could be a little rough sometimes. And Caleb had built something. And Colby went over there and he knocked it over. So Colby went over to his side after he knocked my son's thing over. And he started putting a puzzle together. So what does my son do who's in about, I think, first or second grade? He walks over and he goes and messes up the puzzle. And the teacher approaches my son and she says, Caleb, is that how we're supposed to act? And he goes, yes. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? She said, the Bible tells us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And he said, I did. I did to him what he did to me. And she said, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you, not as they've done unto you. And that's a lesson we need to learn that's very valuable to us today. Is even when the world hates us and even when the world does things against us, we are still called to love them because they need Jesus. And we should have him within us. But also in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, it's one of the greatest commandments he gives. It's called the Shema. It says, the Lord our God is one. We are called to love him. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. So it's old. It's from the beginning. It's all the way back when the law was written. God said, love has got to be the theme of those who walk with me. Love has got to be in everything that we do. It's all about love. But not only that, it was also manifested in Jesus Christ, wasn't it? John 3, 16, we love that verse. For God so loved the world. He loved the world. He did what? He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why should they believe in him? They believe in him for what he did. That he died on the cross for their sins. That he gave his very life for them. That he loved them so much that he didn't want to be separated from them. He provided a way that they might have a relationship with God. And he died for you and for me. That is love. And John 13, 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour has come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. How did he love them? He served them. He taught them. He was there for them. He was with them. He loved them. He cared for them. And then eventually he goes and he dies for them. In everything that Jesus did, he was the manifestation of love. In everything. And for some reason, we as Christians go, well, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not, but you're supposed to start acting like him. I agree. You're not there yet. But you should be able to look in the mirror and see more of Jesus than you see of yourself every day. There should be a transformation that's taking place. He loved them unto the end. I love in John 13, uh, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Get this. As I have loved you, and they also love one another. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Two things there. One, love as I have loved. 
I'm going to tell you that's not easy. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about how much Jesus loves you. Think about all the stuff he's put up with you. Think about all the things you've done to him. Think about everything, how you've stepped on his name, how you've defamed his name, how you've done all these things against him, and yet he still loves you. And can I just tell you something? What somebody does to you doesn't even come close to comparing to what you did to him. Not even close. Because you ain't died for nobody. He says, look, I want you to love them like me. That's what makes it pretty new. Because we now have the manifestation. We now have the reality of what this love looks like. And then he says this. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You realize what he's talking about there, right? He's talking about he knows. You know. We know that you're a Christian by your love for other brothers in Christ, right? Glenn, you my brother. Amen. I love you, brother. Love you they know our love by the way we love one another. What are you, my brother? Love you, brother. Love you man. Dylan, you my brother? Love you, man. Here's the thing. The problem is, is let's be honest. Sometimes in the church, we got the Hatfields and the McCoys. Right? I sit on the other side of the church because I don't like the people on the other side of the church. And the balcony's like, we're just in the balcony. <laughs> but you think about it, man. We, in the church today, the problem is, is we'll have a problem with somebody else in the church. And the problem is, is if I got a problem with Glenn... And I go over to somebody else and I say, Jim, have you heard about Glenn? You know what he's been doing? You need to pray for him. We're going to disguise it in prayer, right? But I want you to go tell everybody you know too. And I'm going to tell you, you can split apart a church just like that because you forget why you're here. You forget that you've got to love Everybody, even that person that didn't give you the coffee you wanted this morning and took the last drop out of the coffee pot. Ain't that right, Rachel? But here's the thing. We got to love our Methodist brothers and our Presbyterian brothers and our Assembly of God brothers and our Pentecostal brothers and you say, do you call them brothers? Absolutely. We fly under the banner of Jesus Christ. I love my brothers at Cedar Creek and at Cedar Grove and down at First Baptist Watertown and Shop Springs. We're supposed to work together. And it says that the world will not know that he exists and that he loves if we don't love one another. So you can either be the clarion call for unity and love or division and hatred. That's your choice. But Jesus says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love for one another. He goes on. In John 15, listen to this, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I've loved you. Greater love hath no man than this than lay down his life for his friends. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Would you die for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Would you really give your life for them? I'll tell you, I have, I've had to juggle this many a time because I'm like, I know I'd die for my wife and my kids. But here Jesus laid down his life for everybody. That means, guess what? That means whether you inconvenience people or not, you're still called to love them. That means, <laughs> 
That means you love them in such a way that you're willing to sacrifice your own selfishness. Because there's the key. You realize that life is not about you. I know every self-help book in the bookstore tells you differently. But life is not about you. It's just not. It's not about you. It's not about your desires. It's not about your goals. It's not about your intentions. If you're a Christian, it's all about Jesus. And until you lose your selfishness, you'll not love the people you may need to love them. You just won't. He goes on, he says this, he says this, an old commandment is from the beginning, from the beginning of the law, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and yet it's new. In verse 8 he says again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. You say, how is it new? Well, a couple of reasons. One, it's new because you're new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Look what it says here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. New! Aren't you brand new? Aren't you changed? You don't look the same. You don't think the same. You don't act the same. You're new. And because you're new, love is expected of you. Because God's changed your life. Not only are you new, but your light is new. Your light is new. Ephesians 5 says it this way. In verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. He says it in the first John passage. What did he say? He says, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. In other words, you're walking, exposing your walk before others. You want them to see that you are genuine, that you are true, and that you are real. You are not having to hide in the dark any longer because you're not doing deceptive and hateful things. That love is new. In fact, it's so new that as you walk in the light, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 tells you you're walking in love. Be ye children, followers of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. You got to walk in love. In fact, one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Love. The very first one is love. Now, let's be honest. Love is everywhere. It's everywhere. People throw the word out there like it's just, it's easy peasy. Love goes off with all kinds. I love ice cream. I love brownies. We throw it out there for everything. Love. Love's got to be intentional. Love's got to be purposeful. It's got to be new. It's got to be different. It can't be the same love that the world has because the world can love their wives and their husbands, and their children, and their parents. But I'm going to tell you what, you tell somebody that's not a Christian that they got to love their enemy, they'll look at you like you're a fool. And Jesus tells you to do what? Exactly that in Matthew 5, verses 43 to 45. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you and spitefully hate you. Love them. I'm going to tell you, man, there is no hurt like church hurt. You want to know why there's no hurt like church hurt? Because that's the last place you expect to get hurt. We let our guard down, and when we get hurt, it's all the church's fault. We don't blame the individual. We blame the entire church. Can I tell you something? We are fallen. 
There's not a perfect Christian in here. If you are perfect, you're in the wrong church. There's not a perfect Christian in here. We're falling. We all fall short. We all mess up. And we're learning. And I, I tell this to young couples when they're getting married. I do premarital counseling. And one of the funniest things is to watch their facial expressions when I say, guess what? Get ready. You're learning to live with someone you've never lived with before. You're going to find out they do things you never knew they did before. You're going to see things you never saw before when they wake up. I am not looking down at the front row. <laughs> Vicky, stop laughing. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> when we become Christians, here's the thing. When we get together with a group of fallible people, who have idiosyncrasies and differences in culture and background and character. And guess what you end up having to do? You end up having to learn to live with one another's flaws. That's what love is. Love isn't pointing out every flaw. Love is learning to live with the flaws in spite of the flaws. Because God loves you in spite of your flaws. Man, when you... You look at this passage, the, the love is new. We're called to love our enemies. In fact, Jesus demonstrated that in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love in us in this, that he died for us. Before we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were his enemies, Christ died for us. It's not old, and yet it is old. It's not new, and yet it is new. It's new because of the manifestation of the love that's been shown to us. It's new because we're called to love like nobody else in the world. It's new because it is something that Jesus requires of us and it has to be new every day. Because you've got to get, let me tell you something. The problem is we get up in the morning, we've already determined our mood in the morning a lot of times. How many of you get up grumpy? I can tell by your Facebook posts. Yep, you're grumpy. You think about that. You get up angry at the world already when you start out the day what's going to happen when you go to work that first person's going to speak to you i ain't had my coffee yet you demon possessed <laughs> you determine who you are by the love that you show and you get up every morning and like we sing that first song i am blessed I am blessed to be living and breathing. I am blessed to roll out of the bed. I am blessed to have a job to go to. I am blessed to have a family. I am blessed. And when you start to think about the blessings that God has given to you the moment you wake up from the bed, how in the world can you be in a bad mood? And if you wake up like that, you'll go out and love. Because you'll realize you don't deserve to be loved and yet he still loves you. You see, there's the power to love the brethren. And two, there's the command to love the brethren. Look at verse 9. He that saith he's in the light and hateth his brothers in darkness even until now. I need to define a term real quick. Because we seem to change definitions. 
all the time. I, this one drives me crazy in the church. You ready for this? I get so tired of hearing this from Christians. I love him, but I don't like him. You don't love him. You don't love him. Now, here's what you can say. I love him, but I don't like what he's doing. I can say I love them, but I don't like what they're saying. I can't say I love them, but I don't like them. Why? Because what we are literally saying is, is if I saw them on the other side of the church, I'll make sure I stick to the door I go out so that they can go out their door and I can go out my door. I'll stick to the pew I sit in so that they can go to their pew and I can go to my pew. And we don't ever have to see one another. But I love him. No, you don't. Love says that my relationship with you is on the same par it is with everybody else. And I'm not going to let anything take away from that. My love for you is on the same par as everybody else. Do you get that? I'm going to love you the way I love everybody else. I'm going to love you in such a way I'm not even going to let your faults and flaws get in the way. I love you because Jesus loves you. Because if my love is not what it needs to be, and you say, well, I don't hate them. You may not hate them in word, but you hate them in action. You realize love is an action word, right? Your actions prove the truth about who you are. Can I tell you something? As a pastor, I've walked into grocery stores before, and I start walking down an aisle, and I see somebody take their car, and they do a U-turn and go down the next aisle. I do want to shout out and go, I saw you. I know you're not going to the next aisle because you need something. I saw you. You turn around because of me. Next time I see y'all do that, I might do that to you. Call you out in Walmart. But love is an action. And hate is an action because hate is simply this. It is the demise of love. It's the opposite of love. If I'm not showing you love, then guess what I'm showing you? I'm showing you hatred. If I'm not willing to come and talk to you, but I say I love you, that's not true either. That's hatred. If I say, well, I'm going to sit on my side of the church, or I'm going to go to this church, and they can go to that church, but we're brothers. It's not about that. It's about loving. And if we say we love, and yet we display it in our actions as hatred, he says, he that hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Listen to what he says in chapter 4 and verse 20. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Can I tell you what that is? That's internet love. You know what I'm talking about. You know those people that get on the internet, and all they've done is talk to the person online. They ain't never seen them. They ain't never met them. But that's their life partner. Right? I've met the love of my life online. He lives in Canada. I ain't never met him. But our conversations are sweet online. How is it you can love people halfway across the world? That's not Canada, but you know, other places. How can you love people that far away? And yet you can't love people right there by your side. People you work with. People you live with. People in your neighborhood. People at the grocery store. People that go to your gym. People that are right there in front of you. You are lying to yourself. I'm just being real this morning. 
lying to yourself. In 1 John 3, in verse 15, he says it another way. He says, whoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You know, Jesus is the one that coined that idea. If you become angry with a brother, you've murdered them in your heart. Matthew 5, 21, 22. If you become angry with them, you call them raka, you call them fool. You've murdered them in your heart. If you've murdered them in your heart, in other words, you have a desire that they don't even exist. He says, you can't claim to be loved. You can't be claiming to walk in the light. You're walking in darkness and you are lying to yourself. I learned something a long time ago. It drives me crazy when I hear people make this statement. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I can be a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. I want you to try something out for me one moment. I just want you to think about this. Many of you in here are married. Could you imagine if somebody said to you, I love you, but I can't stand your wife or your husband? How many of you kind of buck up at them? What? What? What do you mean you love me, but you can't, can't stand my spouse? You ever thought about that for a moment? What if somebody came to you and said, man, I love you, but I hate your kids? Them's fighting words. Right? What do you mean? Let me tell you something. My wife and I come as a package. You don't like me, you don't like her. You don't like her, you don't like me. We are one. You say, why do you say that? Because the church is the bride of Christ. And get this, we come as a package. We're one. And so if you say you hate the church, how in the world can you say you love Jesus? Because you don't even love his bride. You can't do it. You can't do it. But let's look at the positive side of verse 10. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. None occasion of stumbling in him. 1 John 3 verses 14 to 18 show this. And I've read one verse from this already, but I want to read the whole passage for a second. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelt the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Why? Because your actions and your deeds will prove your words. He says, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. There's none occasion of stumbling in him. In other words... You don't ever have to fear. If you're walking in love, you can come across anybody at any time and want to hug them and want to love on them and shake their hand and talk to them like everything's normal. But man, you see that guy you don't like? You know what happens? You'll keep looking back. You'll eventually stumble. Thing is, is if you don't like people... You don't need to be calling yourself a Christian. The truth is in the, pr- the proof is in the pudding, as they say. 
It's right there in the scriptures. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. There's none occasion of stumbling. If you're abiding in the light, you're not going to stumble. But the moment you start living in the darkness, verse 11, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Here's the truth. We're blinded to the truth a lot of times. You get that, right? We're blind to what we do. We're not blind to what everybody else does. We can point out somebody else's sins a whole lot quicker than we can point out our own. We're blinded by these things. And we put up blinders and we rewrite things to where we say, you know, I do love them, but I really just don't want to be around them. I love them, but I'm not going to talk to them. I love them. No, if you've got to add something to I love them with a but or an or or an either, you don't love them. We've got to come to the point. I, I told my kids one time, there's a lady that came to them at church and just reamed my two kids out. She was a former pastor's wife, and she just lit into my, both of my kids. Before I got into church that morning, I'm walking in, and I see my two kids standing there. They're like seven and three, and they're standing there like this. I mean, just shaking. Just This lady was being mean. And so I walk up to them and I talk to them. I said, guys, what was that about? And they said, well, she was blaming us for destroying the nursery and not cleaning it up. I said, you guys hadn't even been with me this week. So I went to her because she not only accused them once, she accused them again and again and again, all in the same conversation. Did you mess up that nursery? No, we didn't mess up the nursery. Are you sure you didn't mess up the nursery? No, we didn't mess up the are you positive? Are you 100%? I'm like, how many times you got to get this out of them? And I went to that lady and I said, you owe my kids an apology. I said, you were rude and ugly to them and they didn't do it. And you owe them an apology. She comes in to apologize to my kids. She came into my office and apologized to them. And here's what she said. I'm sorry, but. Now, this is a former pastor's wife. So when she left, I just looked at my kids. I said, did you get an apology? And they said, nope. And I said, why didn't you get an apology? And they said something I'd always taught them. An apology doesn't come with a but. Love doesn't come with a but. It comes with simple love. You want to know you're a Christian? You got to think about this. You're going to walk in the light. These are four of the tests so far. Walk in the light. Confess our sins, obey his commandments, and walk in love. If you look at those four commandments, and we've still got seven more of these tests to do. But if you look at those four and you have to gauge and say to yourself, I'm failing in a few of those areas, then you might be in trouble. Because I'm here to tell you, it's not a pass or fail test. Please understand that. It is, a, it is a matter of whether it is genuinely in your heart and you have a complete relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what matters. These tests are only proof that it's true.